0: Hello and welcome to the second bonus episode of Season 4 of Cryptids Decrypted. Today we're taking a look at all of our past royales and applying our brand spanking new rating system to them so that we can finally get a power ranking of which cryptid royale cryptid is the best and, you know, which is going to sit down there at the bottom with the, uh, the pants cryptid from last time. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk about something I've been working on. I actually started a Kickstarter about a week ago for a novella called The First Ambassador to Crustacea. It is a science fiction comedy novella about psychic crabs and renegade lobsters. It's currently fully funded in less than a week, but I'm looking to crush that goal, because if I double the initial goal, I'm going to be creating an audio version of it. So you can go ahead and check out MacAshton.com, or you can just go to Kickstarter and look for the first ambassador to Crustacea. It will pop up. There are some great rewards. You can get uh, signed copies, stickers, mugs, uh, salacious Yeti photos, and believe me, there's a video of that photo shoot, and it was choice. You can get all of that. Uh, Rewards start as low as $5. You can get digital copies if you're not into physical goods. Please go support this project. It uh, it really means a lot to me and it's the best way to support my writing and honestly help support this podcast in a way as well. So again, go to macashton.com or go to kickstarter.com and search the first ambassador to Crustacea or my name, Ashton McCauley, and you'll find it there. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, I really hope we crush this goal. It's going until June 30th, 2022, just in case you're listening to this episode sometime in the future. But you have until June 30th to get those signed copies and all those other rewards. So please go check it out. And in the meantime, let's uh, let's enjoy some some Cryptid Royale Royale. All right, we're here. It's, it's 6 a.m., it's the off-season, and apparently it's time to do a bonus episode. Uh, John, we are gathered here today, before the internet, for Cryptid Royale Redux.
1: Hang, hang on, you just reminded me that I need to remind our viewers with what you just said being gathered here today, because uh, in between on this episode and our last one, viewers, Mr. Ashton... He is officially, in the eyes of the state of Washington, a hitched man. So congratulations, Ashton. That's a good Ashton. point.
0: Thanks, Brian. Yeah, for those of you who are listening, waiting to waiting to take me away, might as well stop listening now. Now, now this is going to be a lot less sexy of a podcast, so I hope you're prepared.
1: For those who are listening because they want to wear Ashton's
0: skin... Still on the table. Yeah, still on the Surprisingly. table.
1: More
0: than welcome. Come <laughs> it's, on, is down. my skin. I'll moisturize for you. Don't worry. I put the lotion on the skin every morning. But that's right. Uh, rather than making new content, uh, we decided that we're going to rehash old stuff with our brand new rating system because we're four seasons in and we can do that now. You know, we might even do a mailbag episode later. You never know if we ever got some mail. But as a reminder, here's how the new rating system for Cryptid Royale works. We piloted it at the end of last season. So if you haven't listened to those two, Go listen to them, because there was two cryptid royales, which means we're going to have a grand total of five. Okay, so we rate each cryptid on a 1 to 4 scale for the following three factors. Cool factor, believability, spin-off potential. And I should say the 1 to 4 scale apparently has decimals in it, much to my chagrin. As is customary in the ways of our people, we're also going to decide which one would win in a fight. And to keep this consistent, the creatures will be fighting the same creatures they were up against in the original episode in which they aired. Now, John, I understand that you've reviewed and collated every cryptid from our past, so I'm just going to listen while you go through them all. All
1: right. Okay, so like Ashton had said, we have three cryptid royales to go through from our historical past, starting with Cryptids of the Deep from Season 1, and the four cryptids we're going to go through there are the Kraken, the Ningen, the Cadborosaurus, as well as the Megalodon, the... Cryptids from Down Under were the Blue Mountain Panthers, the Thylacine, the Drop Bears, which Bluey, the uh, a show for kids, made in Australia, it calls out Drop Bears at one point and made me smile because I actually knew what they were. And I can't remember what your fourth one was. And then for Urban Royale, we've got the Kushtaka. We've
0: got the Bandit. Oh, you're Man. missing one, John. Oh, No! American Folklore Royale.
1: Because we already did Urban Royale. Oh, God.
0: American Folklore was really good, too. Uh, We had
1: Tessie of of the Deep. We had Mothman. We had the Jackalope. And we had the... starts with an M, I believe.
0: Nope. Hodag. The Hodag, not the Modag. That's right. Yeah, the Hodag is it was my favorite one to revisit i have my notes up listeners i'm gonna talk more than i should about it but we're gonna do between two to five minutes for each of these hopefully less otherwise it's gonna be really long so uh i don't know john you want to start with your first water cryptid let's kick let's kick this off
1: yeah so my first water cryptid was originally the megalodon
0: the megalodon
1: needs very little introduction it has a great movie made around it starring jason (laughs) statham and dwight is up for debate still megalodon does stand for big tooth and it was an obscenely large shark that lived 23 to 3.6 million years ago very wide span of time there but the ocean is very very deep the thought process is the only place that one could still be alive is in the mariana trench effectively it, it was the apex predator it could eat pretty much anything it wanted, but that was kind of an issue with climate change and the changing ecosystem. That's what drove it going extinct. And the major thing is this falls under the cryptic category because we know it existed at one point. The question outstanding is, do they still exist in the ocean somewhere today? And we have no idea because the ocean is fucking huge. And we've explored like 7% of it, we're constantly finding new species in the ocean. So it stands to reason that the Megalodon could still be out there. The Megalodon was a relative of the Great White Shark. Its tooth measured something like 14... Not 14 meters, but 14 inches or something like that. Like, insane.
0: At the uh, Oregon Coast Aquarium, they have a uh, a model of what a megalodon jaw would look like, and you can stand inside it, and it's fucking terrifying. It's, yeah, they're they're it's huge creatures.
1: It's one of those things too, where Shark wheat touches on it every single year. So yeah,
0: they always have that clickbaity one that's like, "Oh, we we found evidence of it," and they never do. Oh yeah, that that like, mermaids. They love to do mermaids too. Oh, god, Shark Week. What has become of you? I miss vanilla shark week, but, uh, the, you know, in that fantastic film, the Meg, they also, uh, posit that maybe there is a layer, uh, like a chemical layer on the bottom of the ocean. That's like a dead zone, which they actually do exist. There's these pockets of chemicals in the ocean that like all sink down and anything that goes into them can't get out and it just dies. Uh, I think in the Meg, they posited that there's a layer of that, and then underneath it is clean water, and so I think when they puncture that with a drone or something, or some sort of, like, man-made thing, it lets the Meg out. Yeah,
1: it, it, not just one Meg, it lets two Megs out. <laughs> Spoilers, John. Yeah. Two Megs? Well, I don't know, yeah,
0: I remember him hand-to-hand fighting one, that's, that's really all I remember he, about that movie. He
1: does hand-to-hand fight one, and yes, it, it is a submersible that they're using to explore the Mariana Trench and punch through that to see what's on the other side. Um, Turns out it's Megs. And then when they come through, it, it creates that window for the Megs to exit and then cause uh, quite a bit of havoc, as they say.
0: So, believability, uh, I'm giving it a 3, which and it is gets believ- wild for me.
1: believability in this case is that they it exist still exists. today. That is the cryptid side of this. I tend to go with a 3.3 just because repeating of course are you gonna rate everything or are we gonna bounce back and forth between each category
0: uh we'll bounce back and forth between each category so yeah i give it a three you give it a 3.3 uh we we can now discuss why
1: so my thought is the ocean is a very 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 large place If there's one type of cryptid that really could exist, I believe we even called this out in our Cryptids of the Deep episode. It's one that lives in the deep, deep ocean, which we frankly don't have the capacity to go explore. James Cameron has been down to the Mariana Trench. He has a Rolex named after him that went down as well.
0: I don't know. Elon Musk needs to stop trying to buy Twitter and and get to the bottom of the ocean and figure this out for us, please. So it's way more super villainy to like do deep ocean than it is to do Twitter. So like, just, just do that instead, man. Well, you say, three.
1: you say super villainy. I think if he went down there to harness the power of the megalodons and turn them into slaves, that would be super, super villainy.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing though. he's not going to tell us that he's not going to tell us why he's going down the same reason. Why is he going to space? A little bit of Ashton's Conspiracy Corner here. He's He's got his space base, he needs his underwater base. Okay, cool factor, I give it a four, because it's a big fucking shark, and I like it.
1: Yes, I also give it a four, because it has giant fucking teeth, and it is badass.
0: Uh, spinoff potential, I also give it a four, because I'm pretty sure I could talk about a Megalodon for a very long time.
1: There's a lot out there on the Meg, and a lot of it's very historical, so I actually give it a 2.5. We included it in Cryptid Royale, if we would have done a spinoff episode, we would have done it by now.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. But we haven't, I don't think we've thought about spinoffs from Cryptid Royale until now.
1: Well, we did think about trying to do something for Tahoe Tessie. And, then <laughs> and that did looked, not work out. We both looked into it and were like, oh no, you really did just cover everything. Whomp, whomp. Yeah,
0: when well, we we'll go back to that one, I'll talk about how disappointed I am in Tahoe Tessie. Uh, how dare uh, you? How dare you? You heard it here first, folks. Next up, Tahoe Tessie, I love you. We're gonna release the Kraken. So the Kraken, big ass octopus. The end. So John, what are your ratings?
1: Believability: two point seven.
0: Hmm, smart. Okay, but for real,
1: my no, 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 no. My rationale for that is that the Kraken is based on the giant squid, right? We knew that there was a giant squid underneath the Narrows Bridge Tacoma for a little bit. And that that was a a creature that was proven to be accurate. So if we loop those two in the same thing where it's like the Kraken, it's not, you know, the creature from Pirates of the Caribbean. But there is like a cousin of it, like not the Kraken specifically, but a creature that falls under that category. I would count that as yes, this, this thing existing, you know, the creature that the Kraken was really based on in folklore. Do you not count that as the same thing?
0: Yeah. I, so I don't, but so so here's the difference, right? The Kraken is specifically, uh, it's, it's specifically an octopus rather than a squid. And this is like an old sailor's myth. I think we've all seen it at this point, but it, like has a big ass like beak in the middle, which I guess squids have beaks too, but I don't know. It's, it's been credited as sinking several ships. It's been done to death in film. Uh, Some asshole decided to put it in his third novel that isn't released yet. Spoilers. (laughs) it, It was described as a, like it's been described a bunch of different ways, but one that's my favorite is a many headed and many clawed creature. Who stalked uh, Icelanders, which is like, oh, all right. So we got a double headed Kraken, depending on where you're looking at it. But I won't go too much into it, mostly because I don't have all of the notes I originally had. And there's a lot on the Kraken. So I suggest you just go back and listen to that episode. But big ass octopus. There has never been any proof of its existence. But as I said, and as John said, there was no proof of the giant squid's existence either. Like, for the longest time, the giant squid was the stuff of Jules Verne. So, yeah. Uh, With that in mind, believability, I'm going to give it a three. Because given the aggressive depictions of this creature, I don't think it exists in the aggressive form that the myths... Uh, What do you give for Cool Factor, John?
1: Oh, Cool Factor is a 3.5. It's not as cool as a giant fucking shark, but it's a ship-killing crustacean. Or, not a crustacean, but a ship-killing octopus
0: that... Yeah, what's a cephalopod? It's a ship-killing cephalopod. There you go. Cephalopod.
1: That's badass. I don't have anything else to say. That's fucking badass.
0: Here's what I gotta say about it. It's fucking vanilla. I give it a two. Wow. Yeah, it's... I don't know. It's something about big, giant shark that really just speaks to me more than big, giant octopus. Have you
1: seen Pirates of the Caribbean 2?
0: I mean, yeah, look, I love I love that film franchise as much as as much as the next red blooded American, but <laughs> I just I, I eh, 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 just, not that I'm not that into the Kraken. I think I was more into it the first time I talked about it than I am this time, to be honest. Anyways, uh let's talk about that ningin'. Spin off potential? Oh spin off potential, right, sorry. Ooh, I don't know. Given how bored I am talking about it now, I'm going to give it a two. I give it a two
1: and a half just because, again, there is
0: a very long history in folklore
1: when it comes to this. Dating all the way back to the Vikings and when they were sailing around, I believe that's, when the, that's where the myth really comes from. So with that in mind, I think we could talk about it for like 35 to 40 minutes. There's a lot of pop culture with it, but it, it wouldn't be fun.
0: Yeah, that makes sense because yeah, the amount of pop culture on this thing is is ridiculous. Maybe that's why I'm so bored with it. It's just, it's been done so much. Although I don't know, Bigfoot's been done a lot too. So, all right, John, tell me tell me again about the Ningen.
1: So the Ningen is interesting because it's one of our very few Japanese centric cryptids when it comes to oceanic, and this is an Antarctic cryptid that is like a very pale white whale but it's got a big face on it we have seen a few different aerial photos of what the ningan could look like um those have been captured off google earth but it was a japanese ocean research company that saw something that looked like a snake snaggletooth eel or something like that but it was it was giant, we're talking 20 to 30 meters long, and it has no limbs or no, it does have limbs, sorry it's like a huge whale looking person is how it's been described, but pale white pigmentation Um, it's got a slit-like mouth and eyes on the back of it that like look out and up, really creepy looking thing Um, there's not a ton on the Ningen, but The interesting parts of it are how a lot of the government-funded research expeditions were then covered up and classified immediately, as well as how much has been invested into finding this thing, and then the findings of those expeditions was never released to the public.
0: Gotta love a good government cover-up. It always adds a a layer of believability. And
1: it allows you to talk about Ashton's Conspiracy Corner.
0: Like, what if this is our first... Uh, Case of like, it's actually like a superhero, but their powers are just not what we expected. Like, it kind of reminds me of do you remember in X Men, the very first one where the guy they inject him with mutant juice and he just becomes like a a jelly man floating around in the water? I don't remember that. (laughs) Oh man, (laughs) horrifying as a child. They inject this guy with mutant juice. I think he's some sort of politician. And then, like, he just, I think he starts, like, losing his bones, and he, like, swims through the water. That's kind of, maybe the Ningen's like him, okay? Maybe the government injected somebody with mutant juice, and then uh, they swam away to Japan, where they thought they'd be accepted, and turns out they were not. That's heavy. It is heavy. Ningen's a heavy myth. Believability, I give it a one. (laughs)
1: I actually also tend to agree. This is a myth that's been around since the mid-2000s, roughly 2002, 2005. It just doesn't add up. A creature wouldn't evolve to look like that or act like that. So I I also give it a a 1 for believability.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like, this is really the ghost pants of this episode god i forgot about that i had already blocked that out of my brain the nightcrawler all right uh cool factor i am gonna give it uh one
1: yeah yeah no one This is kind of fucking lame
0: spin-off potential also a one One. i think this might this might be our lowest rated one so far depending on how it fares in the fights
1: worse than the ghost pants like that is insane
0: well, I enjoyed the ghost pants, so I think I gave them higher cool factor, because, I don't know. They're pants, so You don't hear about Ashton, ghost pants these days. They're
1: fucking pants.
0: Yeah, but they're alien pants that seem delightful. They're, they're delightful pants. little alien pants. You can't be mad at them. They're pants. Okay, alright. Oh, gosh, we are... This is gonna be a long one. Uh, Cadbrosaurus. Now, this is one that I ended up talking with David George Gordon about, in our episode about underground aquifers and interdimensional tunnels but this is nicknamed caddy it is a sea serpent that is like kind of similar to nessie but longer so just imagine if you took nessie and you stretched it out until it was very thin so it has like the same mass just longer and it comes from the pacific coast of north america and the name comes from Cadborough Bay in Greater Victoria. Now I believe you can actually see a an underwater statue of Cadborosaurus. I think it's in Cadborough Bay. I can't remember. But it's so I, I also preface like this is the one episode that neither of us could find our notes on because it's from very early in the show when things were just wild and crazy. But there, I believe there is in Cadborough Bay or one of the lakes, there is a place where you can go diving and there's actually a uh, statue of Cadborosaurus there. That's kind but, of cool. Yeah. And I mean, so it's got tons of sightings. There's tons of corpses. Um, they find, like, people have found skeletons that are, you know, 24 feet long with flippers. But like a lot of the times it's missed, like, people think that it's just misidentified Whales or basking sharks, which, if you look at a basking shark, basking shark is Super long, very weird-looking, very cryptid-like. Um, they're like a filter-feeding shark, so they don't have teeth. They, they just have like the big mouth that they run around with, and they're actually they're pretty cool, and they're similar to whale sharks. But Cadborosaurus looks like a mythical dragon that is in water. I love it so much. Yeah, I think that uh, David George Gordon actually I think this is something he was researching the last time I talked to him. But I, you know, I have not seen any headlines that Cadbarosaurus was found, so... That's that's uh, that's what I gotta say about that one. Oh, I will say there's also, like, a great headline here, uh, Beast from the Deep Puzzle Zoologists, and it's got just this picture of this horrifying, desiccated corpse that is supposed to be Cadborosaurus, and I'm like, that looks like a burnt french fry, so... I don't know. Believability, I am going to give it a 1. Can't give everything a 1, Ashton.
1: I'll give it a 1.7.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I wasted my believability on the Kraken and the Megalodon. Cool factor, it is a sea dragon, so I will give it a (laughs) 1.5. A 1.5 for a sea dragon? What is wrong with you? It looks goofy as fuck. If you look up the pictures, like... This is not a cool cryptid. This is like the Urkel of cryptids. Other oh. other cryptids see this and they're like, "Oh, don't go talk to Caddy." <laughs> like Bigfoot's having a big bonfire, <laughs> inviting everybody over for beers. Like he wants to invite the Megalodon, but he doesn't want Caddy to see it on the way. Like it's it's a whole thing. Nobody wants to hang out with Cabrosaurus. It is the lame, the Jesus. lamest sea cryptid. That's just it looks like mean. a fucking camel got stretched out and tossed in the water. That is just mean. You you heard it first. Fuck Cabrosaurus. I'm not into it anymore. It's over. It's done. What's your cool wow. factor, John?
1: Oh, my cool factor is like a two. It's a sea dragon. Yeah, oh, that
0: oh, a- argument for 0. 0.5 more. Spin off potential. If I could give it a zero, I would, but I'm giving it a one. Damn.
1: There's like nothing on it.
0: There is stuff on it. I just don't want to do it.
1: <laughs> you are bastardizing this system. Again, spin off potential is supposed to be could we do a spin off episode if we wanted to?
0: I feel like it's could we do a spinoff episode, and if I don't want to do it, then the likelihood of doing it is low. You know, it's a subjective system for a reason, John. What's your rating? A 1.7. Well, I'll tell you this, John. I scored higher than the Ningen. Well, yeah, the Ningen Ningen was the lowest points you could possibly have
1: across the board.
0: All right, so this brings us to the ding, 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 boxing bell sound fight portion. Who's going to win in a fight? We have Megalodon Kraken, Ningen, Ningen... Cadbrosaurus. I can already tell you what's coming last for me.
1: <laughs> well, we don't, it doesn't matter who's coming last. It only matters who's coming first. If you ain't first, you're last because you're dead.
0: That's a good point. But in our system, it does matter. Which one's the last one? Which one's the first to die in this fight? The Ningen. Yeah, Ningen. I think Ningen, put Cad- Cadbrosaurus second yeah, to last? Yeah, Cab-
1: Cadbrosaurus is second.
0: The re- this is where I think that there's potential for disagreement. What wins? The Megalodon to the Kraken.
1: So, so here's
0: my thought process. If the
1: Kraken can get close to like wrap itself around the Megalodon, it can win. But the Megalodon is going to be moving with so much velocity around that it's going to be hard to wrap up. It's going to be swimming extremely fast. It's going to be moving with a lot of momentum and inertia. It's going to be a destructive force of power. I go with the Kraken. Yes,
0: yeah, so I'm reading this post on Animal Kingdom Smackdown. what the fuck is that? It's it's a Animal Kingdom Smackdown is a segment on the Oakdale Post, which is a very reputable journal, I'm sure. But they talk about a giant squid versus a great white shark and i i tend to agree with you like i think that it'd be really hard for a megalodon because they're relatively the same size as like i think a shark versus a giant squid now because the kraken's huge the megalodon's huge i think if the kraken is able to attach at all it is gonna wreck some shit so it's, over. it's just it's yeah. over
1: game over if that happens
0: great game over the kraken's wow total agreement on this fight one but i have an excel sheet this time too so like we're we're golden all right, Megalodon scores a 26.8. Kraken scores a 23.7. The Ningen scores an 8, which is the lowest score possible with our scale. We now have a floor. Good job, scores a 12.9, which uh, if I go back to Cryptid Royal last time. So the Gurdon Light. Was a 12.75, which means it is below Cabrosaurus. Kushtaka was a 17. Night Marchers was a 22. Bandage Man was a 20. Gumbaroo was a 20. Goat Man was an 11. Pants was a 10.78, beating out the Ningen by two points. And the Ultimahaha was an 18.4. So I believe that means the Megalodon is now our highest scoring cryptid. Yeah, there you go. That that tracks. Moving right along. Next, we did American Folklore. So, I will kick us off because I think I've got one of the weaker cryptids here. Let's talk about the jackalope. So, this is a com- combination antelope and jackrabbit. It is most commonly cited in Wyoming, Colorado, and Nebraska. People people say that they've seen it, but probably, probably not. Uh, there was two brothers, Doug and Ralph Herrick. They were living in Wyoming in the mid-30s, and they... Ralph was a shitty taxidermist. Well, or a great taxidermist, depending on who you ask. And, uh, you know, see if you follow the the clues here. They put it together. Uh, They make a dead jackrabbit with a pair of antlers. Say, oh, look, I found a jackalope and those two brothers continue to make money off the jackalope into the modern day they sell hunting passes yeah oh here's my favorite quote from that episode or from them which was we just throwed the dead jackrabbit in the shop when we came in and slid on the floor right next to a pair of deer horns we had in there it looked like a rabbit that had horns on it that is the genesis of this myth was they threw a dead rabbit next to some deer horns and they thought "Mm, you know all right also, to get a jackalope hunting pass, you have to have an IQ higher than 50, but no more than 72. Hunting is only permitted on June 31st from midnight to 2 a.m. Yeah, so it's real, real difficult to hunt the jackalope. But uh, that's 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 my uh, my quick and dirty. There are some people who are true believers, but really, mm, mm, not 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 really.
1: I also can't help but remember how all four of these, well, three of these. Myths from American Royale were heavily commercialized. And that's really what drove them and keeps them rele- uh,
0: relevant. That's because they're from America, baby. We are all about the almighty dollar. That we Believability. Are. I give it a one. I know the origin of this myth. I can literally trace it back to the people who made it. So, Ashen,
1: you say there are some true believers out there. Yeah. And me... I'm not, not one. It's one. I'm not really going to give it a four. Yeah.
0: Well, in, if, if you were a true believer, the milk is actually believed to be medicinal and can be used to treat a variety of afflictions. So, jackalope milk. Apparently Yummy. that's a thing. Uh, Yummy. Cool Factor. Uh, for Cool Factor, I do give this one a point. Uh, no, just a two. And the reason is I love the idea that they have this uh, hunting pass program to drum up tourism and i'm just i'm a big fan of making a dollar off these things like two brothers just sewing dead animals together and being like hey look at this so
1: you're saying the myth and the result is cool not the cryptid itself
0: yeah well the yeah the the surrounding mythology of the cryptid is cool
1: i don't know if i let that slide i think that's that's a cop out to not give it another one i'm gonna give it a 1.3 1.3.
0: 1.3. Uh, I will say, I have set precedent with the, the Fresno Nightcrawler. I think I gave that a 2 as well. So, uh, spin-off potential. This one is a 1 again. I do not want to do a Jackalope episode. I have I've learned all I need to learn about the Jackalope.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's also like a 1.7. I think we could if we wanted to. There's a lot that we could go into when it comes to the brothers that made this and their history and the other impacts they've had on cryptids and all that kind of stuff, but it would not be entertaining, as you will.
0: Yeah, no, I feel that. I feel that. All right, John, what's your first folklore royale myth?
1: My first folklore royale myth was Tahoe Tessie. Tahoe Tessie was the American version of Loch Ness Monster, Nessie uh allegedly Tahoe Tessie was a aquatic cryptid that lived in Lake Tahoe what was really cool about this myth wasn't Tahoe Tessie itself but the fact that Jacques Cousteau went into Lake Tahoe in a submersible and came out like super shaken and was like the world is not ready for what's down there now we both believe that is due to like Tahoe being, like, a mobster body ground, body dumping ground. And he went down there and found just a fuck ton of dead bodies from, like, the L.A. mob and the Vegas mob and all that kind of stuff that have come over and dumped bodies. But um, Tahoe test is really cool. It's allegedly a nice aquatic cryptid and likes to race boats. Uh, lots of sightings when it comes to people out fishing... One of which was a sheriff, I believe. Lots of alcohol typically involved when that happens. But these are boats clipping along at like 30 miles an hour. And Tahoe Tessie's just like hanging out, going along with them, zipping through. This also came on the back heel of the Interdimensional tunnels. And aquifers episode, so that was another theory on how Tahoe Tessie gets around is through underground aquifers when it comes to going from one body of water to another. Lake Tahoe and the town of Tahoe, California have really embraced Tahoe Tessie. Lots of businesses named after it, lots of stickers, bumper stickers, all of those types of things when it comes to commercializing the myth and moving forward with it so that's Tahoe Tessie in a nutshell I recognize that we are 40 minutes into this recording and we are through half of our cryptids and um yeah
0: I'm gonna do it doing doing it live I will say I would love to see a traditional mobster movie like where everything is realistic until they get to the body dumping ground and they take it to a specific place so that Tahoe Tessie will eat the corpses I would watch that movie I'll watch that movie in a heartbeat. Uh, believability, Tahoe is deep. I give it a two.
1: Yeah, I give it like a 2.3 just because of the concept of it being able to move around and because, frankly, I want to believe.
0: Yeah, cool factor, uh, I'm still gonna give it a three because I love the Jacques Cousteau element to this myth. I love the idea that it lives in a mob graveyard. Like, it is very cool, even if it's not... There's not a lot to it.
1: Cool factor is, yeah, it's a three three 3.3 for me. When it comes to its history, when it comes to its impact on the community, when it comes to the fact that it's just out there to race boats, it's just chilling, it's not malicious or anything, all of that adds up to a pretty badass cryptid.
0: All right, off potential. Uh, we, we we tried it. Yeah, we tried it, and then the answer is no. So I'd give it like a 1.7. I give, it a, I give it a one because, uh, I I don't know, I tried to do the research on it and uh, there was just not enough there. You can't I give I, everything a one. Yeah, but I mean, but I can though. I mean, even like Benjamin Radford was, oh, I can't remember if he was, no, you know what? He was going to send me research on something else. Somebody was going to send me research on Tahoe Tessie to look at and then I just never, I never, I never ended up getting around to it. You are bastardizing this episode. I'm so upset. Look, I I'm sorry. I'm going to be honest with my ratings here and there's, there's a lot of ones to go around today. Hodag. This Talk is about one of my one. Yeah, I love this myth. This is the official cryptid of Rhinelander, Wisconsin. We all we all know Rhinelander, Wisconsin. Everybody's oh, heard of, of it. It is uh, from a lumber mill town because it has a fuck ton of trees out there. The statue of the Hodag in the middle of town. The hodag is like a Chinese. It looks like a Chinese dragon. It's got a face with massive saber-tooth style tusks, two big horns on its head like an ox, spines running down a long body and tail, and clawed hands and feet. But like, it really like if if you don't know what I'm talking about when I say like uh, like a Chinese dragon, like just Google them because it's, it's very similar in the face to those. Uh, some say it can breathe fire, and like most other cryptids, you can spot it because it stinks. Where does this come from? There's a man named Eugene Shepard. He claimed to have captured a hodag with several quote-unquote bear wrestlers and knocked it unconscious rather than killing it by using chloroform at the end of a long stick. As you, as you do. you forgot about how ridiculous this is. <laughs> Shepard was also known humorous and practical joker and loved to retell the stories of Paul Bunyan. So he displayed this creature in the dark. Uh, He said it was about 185 pounds, 7 feet long, and lizard-like, which 185 pounds for 7 feet long is not that fucking heavy. It's very skinny, yes. Yeah. I guess maybe if it was dead and desiccated, I don't know. So, oh, no, it's not dead, though. That's right. He knocked it out
1: with a chloroform on a stick, remember?
0: Scientists from Washington, D.C. came to see Eugene's unique specimen, and he ended up giving up the game and showing them that it was a puppet that he uh he was moving with with strings and stuff. That's that is one interpretation. The other interpretation is that this is a real myth and that uh the Hodag was created because it like it's it's the reincarnated version of a vicious beast of burden spirit that was like killed in a lumber mill or something to that effect. Like it died from Hugging fuckloads of logs and just came back as a vicious spirit that haunts the town. But you know, I think that I think we could probably say it was a puppet. Yeah, I think that's accurate. So, so believability, well, it's a puppet. yeah. When it,
1: when it comes to believability, do you rate it a four? Since we know everything about it and like, yeah, this was a thing, but it was a puppet. It was a puppet cryptid.
0: Yeah. So no. I still give it a one because, like, it's not a dragon, it's a puppet.
1: Okay, it's not an actual living dragon. This thing. is not in puppets case, yeah. decrypted. Yeah, 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 it's, it's a
0: one. Uh, Cool factor. I love myths like this, so I'm going to give it a three. Like, I love the idea that this dude made a fucking puppet and put it in the dark, and I forgot to mention, he also got people drunk before they went in, like, there was alcohol served near the tent, so if you're... Drunk in the dark and looking at a puppet, and like then run out telling a story about how there's a live dragon at the circus. That's a plus to me.
1: So, when it comes to cool factor, my criteria for rating this is the cryptid itself. And if it was real, how cool would the cryptid be? So, with that, I give it like a two and a half because it's still a dragon of some sort and breathes fire.
0: Awesome. Yeah, yeah, eventual dragon spirit. Mm, not bad. Spinoff, uh, I am gonna give it a. Two and a half because I haven't looked much into it, but I wouldn't mind going down the rabbit hole of Eugene Shepard and uh, Wisconsin. Sounds interesting to me.
1: I think there's a lot of history there. Um, I think it's another cryptid that we would end up talking a lot about the dude who made it and his impact on the cryptid community and his always search for the almighty dollar as a lot of these folks are aiming to go out and do
0: yeah i do a whole episode on eugene shepherd we get i mean would, we get even like throwing that? the jackalope brothers
1: would you count that as a spin-off of a Hodag if it was just eugene shepherd
0: yeah yeah i'd count it because i think that's what he's mostly known for and like i would want to go into the mythology of the Hodag egg as well because there's there's quite a bit there so potential of 2.3 2.3 i think it's like the first time well this is the first myth that you've been lower than me uh right John, what is your last American folklore myth? My
1: last American folklore myth is the Mothman. The Mothman's really neat because he's a harbinger of doom. He's out there trying to warn people that a disaster is incoming. He comes out of West Virginia, and he's this white-looking, red-eyes creature that flies around. And he was out there flying around before a bridge collapsed. I believe a mine collapsed. Um, I unfortunately could not find my notes on this, so this is all from memory. Uh, he was also out there before 9-11 in New York City. And ultimately what he does is he's, he's out there to spell a warning of disaster. And basically, if you see Mothman, you should get the fuck out of there. Because something bad is about to happen. People have seen him flying up high. They've seen him on the side of the road. I believe he's even landed on the back of a car one time. That's Mothman. He's one of our West Virginian myths, which we somehow have actually a couple of.
0: West Virginia is like a cryptid hotspot.
1: Yeah, it really is. It's kind of nuts. It's like West Virginia, New South Wales, and Australia is where a lot of these are. And we'll touch on that in just a little bit. Um, And then not even the Bermuda Triangle. The Bermuda Triangle is actually a little disappointing when it comes to cryptids.
0: Yeah, I think this is an interesting one. I mean, it's in our logo. So there's that.
1: Yeah, Mothman, not not a ton on it. There have only been a few sightings throughout history where, and, and again, they've all been before big disasters. And they've all been pretty spaced out in terms of timeline. That's the other kind of crazy thing.
0: Yeah, it's been around for a long time. Uh, believability. Sorry, at this point, John, it's a one.
1: Oh my god! Can you at least do like a one point two? Like no, I can't. Killing. I can't.
0: It's a giant flying moth. I don't believe in it. With red eyes and humanoid. Yeah, I don't face. believe in it. You're not helping your case. If it was just a giant moth, maybe it would get a two.
1: I think it's like a one point seven. People so, have seen it. <laughs> why would I? people lie about that in New York City?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Solid argument. Cool Factor. Uh, it's a Harbinger of Doom. It's a giant flying Mothman. I give it a 3.
1: A 3.2 for me, yes.
0: Spin-off potential. Maybe if we read through the Mothman prophecies and stuff, there's something there. I feel like there's there's enough on this cryptid that if we actually dug into it for an episode, we could probably put something together. I give it a
1: 2.5. I feel like those episodes would revolve around the tragedies themselves, yeah, as well as the people who saw the Mothman, I think we could do it. I think it would be a lot of work, and it would be not a lot of juice versus the squeeze that went into getting said juice.
0: No no juice. Smith got no juice. So I think I would
1: give it like a 2.8.
0: All right. Um, Which brings us to fight. Ding, 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 ding! Actually, my number four is the easiest. Uh, Jackalope. Jackalope is getting destroyed in this fight.
1: Yeah, I feel like we've done this before. Like, call me crazy. I think we rated who would win in a fight. Oh,
0: we did. We always in did. the episode. Yes. We we always so, did. We just forgot so, to do it in the first um, first royal of last season.
1: So, so this is probably the exact same rating. System, it, it could right? be.
0: I mean, I could go back and re-listen and find out what we rated them before, but I'm not gonna do that. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think I I tend to agree that jackalope's at the bottom. I think the, the next one is an interesting question because it's a three-way fight between a flying harbinger of doom, a sea monster, and a dragon that spits fire.
0: Yeah, I mean, so the, the Mothman doesn't actually do anything dangerous. He's just there when dangerous stuff happens. But
1: he can fly.
0: Yeah. Uh, Mothman's Mothman's last, or second to last for me.
1: Damn, dude. How big is the hood egg?
0: The hood egg is seven feet long.
1: Oh fuck! Oh fuck! Yeah, 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 Mothman is second to last. You're right.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say the hodag is it's a fucking dragon, and I'm gonna put Tahoe Tessie. Tahoe Tessie is friendly, but also it is in water, and I think that that is an advantage against the hodag because the hodag's gonna spit fire. It doesn't fly. It doesn't like. I don't think the hodag stands a chance in the water.
1: I have to think it's almost a stalemate at that point where they they would both just stay away from each other, like. How would yeah. that
0: even shake out
1: at the end yeah, of the day? Yeah, it's a hard fight to have to one of them winning, one of them losing because
0: Tyler we can, do that. We can give them a tie. We can give them a tie.
1: It's just like you know, in the in the spirit of who would win in a fight. Like I don't think we would have a winner. Is the problem
0: in the interest of time? They're getting a tie. Alright, this puts bur, 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 Tahoe Tessie at a twenty point three, the Jackalope at a ten, the Hodag at a nineteen point three, and the Mothman at an eighteen point two. That makes the Jackalope our second lowest myth and it puts Tahoe Tessie like in the like in the cream of the crop. Like it's it's not quite past Hawaiian Night Marchers, but it's a uh, it's up there.
1: I mean that's a high bar. Hawaiian Night Marchers are fucking badass, bro
0: yep that's true all right so this is all right we're getting we're almost done listeners we're almost done 50 minutes we can do this uh one of my australian miss is very thin so i think uh, we got this so last we did cryptid royale down under. I started with drop bears, which are a classic tale of Australian folklore that definitely was not invented to scare tourists, which it was. They are the size of a leopard or dog with coarse orange fur, darker mottled patterning, similar to a koala, just less gray and like way more uh, aggressive. They don't have the traditional teeth of a koala. Instead, they have like big fangs. They drop out of trees and eat your head. And uh, yeah, they, they land drop.
1: on you. You have to wear, you have to bring umbrellas around when you go into uh, the areas that have them.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Oh, man. Where is it? I have it somewhere in here. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth is the one that said bring an umbrella. That's, I, I knew he was in this myth somewhere. Okay, so this started as basically a way to fuck with tourists because they say that if you want to get them away, you slather Vegemite on yourself, which <laughs> is a nasty spread made from. Brewer's yeast, vegetables, and spices. I said before, my Australian cousins tried to get me to eat it as a kid and didn't tell me what the hell it was, so I thought it was jam, and it is so much worse when you think it's just jam.
1: Yeah, when you have an expectation going in, and then all of those expectations when it comes to texture, general flavor profile, it looks and like aftertaste, or buck. Oh, it looks like man. a
0: chocolate spread. It is not a chocolate spread. Uh, But yeah, other than that... Like so, these are these are based on an actual creature uh, called the thylac, thylac Oleo, which was around fifty thousand years ago. It was also known as the pouch lion. So it's like imagine a little lion that has a marsupial pouch. It did not hunt from the trees, but they look kind of similar to drop bears. That's uh, that's that's my that's my elevator pitch for drop bears. Believability, I give them a one because I know where this myth comes from and they're not real.
1: So, in the hit show Bluey on Disney Plus, which is about the Healer family, which are anthropomorphic dogs, uh, my, my children love Bluey. There's an episode where they go down to the creek, and Bandit Healer, the dad, tells his kids, You gotta watch for drop bears. And then he says, I'm just joking. They're not real.
0: Oh, well, there you go. Case closed. Um, I believe this is a one. Cool factor, uh, love little bears that drop down and eat tourists' heads, uh, because, you know, fuck tourists, so 2.5.
1: Yeah, I imagine, like, an orange koala that is just a fucking destructive force of nature, and, like, you don't know you're dead before you're dead.
0: Yeah. So I give it a 2.8. 2.8. Alright, spin-off factor. That's a tough one. Um, Yeah, I give it a 1.5. I think,
1: we, I think we could do it it would be like a 2.25 to me
0: to me that strikes me as a half hour episode at most
1: yeah but we need some of those because we can't all have 70 minute episodes Ashton. some of these need to be a little trimmer for our audience yeah it's fair um, yeah I think it would be like a 2.25 I think we could do it I think it would be a lot about the history of Australia though
0: you are uh Europe you're up next all right so the first one
1: I had was Blue Mountain Panthers, also known as the Lithgow Panthers. And these are giant fucking big cats existing in the Blue Mountains areas of Australia, which is west of Sydney. Uh, These date back over a century, and these are thought to be the descendants of big hats released by World War II U.S. soldiers uh, that were originally military mascots, or they're thought to be the offspring of animals escaped into the wilderness from traveling circuses in the late 19th or early 20th century. Uh, these are large fucking cats around the area of New South Wales uh, by the Blue Mountains in Sydney. Uh, the evidence here is lim- limited to eyewitness encounters largely, uh, but there are some scratches and such found high in trees, and then there's also been some cattle allegedly killed by the creature. Tons and tons and tons of sightings. Sydney is a very big place. Um, a lot of suburbs, you see these kind of sightings. Over 500 in the last 20 years. One boy was scratched uh, by a big cat outside his house. Uh, one sighting was actually of a house cat named Toby. Another was a house cat they lured into a park and shot, which is sad. But the interesting thing here is the number of commissioned reports looking into the Blue Mountain Panthers. 1999, 2003, 2009, 2013. The government-funded... Quite a lot of expeditions. Uh, they kept a large file open around cat sightings, looked at the scat and hair to determine um, it was a big cat living in the area while one of these was going on. Um, they also told the technical manager of the NSW, apologies, it's 7 o'clock for anybody curious, it's time for me to get out of bed, the New South Wales Agriculture Department to not speak of the subject in 2005. So... The last thing here is that in 2008, a report said it's more likely than not to exist. Yeah, lots of stuff from the New South Wales state government. Crazy.
0: Nice. Um, Believability. So I give this one a three because I do believe that.
1: Yeah, I think it's 3.25. I think we're looking at- That's an easy one. We're looking at big cats at the end of the day. That in mind, that's a very broad term, especially big cats that live in the mountains
0: yeah for a cool factor so uh i'm gonna give it a 2.5 and my reasoning is i really like the idea that these are escaped circus cats or released mascots like i think that that's hilarious and also adds to their believability so uh, yeah 2.5 for me
1: i'm a dog person so they get a one no i'm kidding i'm kidding i think it's like a a 2.37
0: for me spinoff factor it's not that it's not that interesting unfortunately it really
1: isn't it's a well-known australian cryptid royale or cryptid apparently um lots and lots and lots of sightings which is great but they're all very sparse in details there's just not a lot of meat here we don't even know what kind of breed of cat they are i think i'll give it like a 1.12 all
0: right here we go my last myth of this episode it is the Yowie, which is australian's bigfoot god i actually have a shit ton on this myth because turns out bigfoot myths are really popular so Yowie yeah, is six foot eleven it is a tall hairy ape-like creature with larger feet than typical bipedal creatures sounds familiar i know it takes red root in aboriginal myths which also sounds familiar because it's almost exactly bigfoot just on the other side of the world uh there are two types of yaoi depending on who you ask one is large like the american bigfoot the other is smaller uh, around four to five feet almost like peter byrne described the yeti which is i don't know that almost is more realistic to me because it's just like a weird ape at that point there has been a lot of sightings there have been a lot of people studying it but the biggest rash of sightings came in 1977 and to see if you remember why john what came out in 1977 star wars star wars came out so goddamn chewbacca caused a rash of bigfoot sightings all around the world that's well documented there's oh that's right there's a really sad story About somebody's dog getting killed, where the the yaoi just crushed the dog against its chest in the backyard, and the dog did not live through that, so that is unfortunate. There is plenty of people talking about these things walking through their yards. There are a lot of modern day yaoi hunters, none of which have returned our calls, even after uh, four seasons of critical acclaim, so we have not been able to talk to anybody. It's probably the it. time
1: difference to be fair. Like that's why they don't Oh
0: have man, no, houses. I'm willing to go on their time. I will I will get up in the middle of the night to do a cryptid interview. That sounds that sounds hilarious and great. But that's I mean that that's it. It is it is Australian Bigfoot. Just slightly different hair color. Believability, I'm going to give it a 2 because the world is a really big place and I'm not like entirely willing to 100% dismiss Bigfoot, even though I'm mostly willing to dismiss Bigfoot. Like there, there's a child, there's a childlike part of me that really wants Bigfoot to be real, so I'm leaving it at a two.
1: If we believe this is the same, like a, a relative of yeah. Bigfoot, I look at the climate and. Where Bigfoot is thought to exist in the Pacific Northwest in the woods, lots of potential food there. Instead, the Yowie, Yowie must be like Bigfoot on steroids to live in the wilderness in Australia, dealing with all the monsters and creatures there. Like, well, remember like they have they have big forests too.
0: It's it's not all like it's not as barren as like there's a lot of Australia that's barren, but the areas that this creature is seen is heavily forested, very similar to the Pacific Northwest.
1: Okay, okay. That makes a lot more sense, though. I think I would give it like a 2.12.
0: Cool factor. Um, I like Bigfoot. This does seem like a spinoff of Bigfoot, so I'm not going to give it a Bigfoot rating. I will give it a 2.5.
1: So it's Australian Bigfoot, right? It's like we are a little bit different than our Australian counterparts. So I would think that I'll give it like a 2.63.
0: 2.63. It's, it's really funny because American Bigfoot is honestly probably not as historied as Australian Bigfoot, just based on like, I don't know how long. Well, I actually don't know about timelines of aboriginals versus native peoples. So have to look up when the first, the first mention of those myths to see which one is actually the progenitor of this myth. But I think that humans just like to think of giant versions of themselves walking around in the forest with fur. I think that that's a really common thread, uh, spinoff potential. No, we've done a Bigfoot episode. We could do more on this one, so I, I won't give it a one. I'll give it a two, just because I think it would be kind of boring, to be honest.
1: Yeah, like you said, there's quite a lot there. We could absolutely do it. i give it a three because it's about the feasibility, not if, if we would have fun doing
0: it. Well, I think it's it, if it's interesting, too, like the feasibility of a spinoff is, would this be interesting? Like, would this be something that you, the listeners would want to hear? And, I don't know, It's you could tell us if it's something you want to hear. And we can look into it, but it, to me, it just sounds like another Bigfoot episode with a slightly different flavor. That flavor That's being fair. brewers' yeast. That's fair. John, take us home. Let's let's get let's the get out of here. One, the last one I have is
1: the thylacine, which is the Tasmanian tiger. It has allegedly gone extinct. The last time it was captured was 1930 in Tasmania. It's a medium to large size canine with a pouch similar to a kangaroo, and it is covered in reproductive organs. Uh, the pouches. Yellowish brown to gray hair, 15 to 20 distinct stripes across the back, stiff tail and short legs, dense body hair. Uh, it's semi nocturnal and it's considered to be an apex predator, but we're not sure what its prey was. um They pre- preferred kangaroos and other marsupials, but they also preyed on sheep and poultry after the European colonization. Uh, the stripes on its back look a lot like a tiger's. The female had a pouch on its back and could carry four babies at a time, the estimated size of the litter. The major thing with this one is it could open its jaws, like, very wide, 80 degrees, and had 46 teeth. But weak jaw all around, we tried to keep them in zoos, but it never really took. Uh, We kept having this issue where they just died. And the last one outside of APAC died in 1931 in London. It had to compete with the dingo, like, 40,000 years ago, when a lot of vertebrates died. Um, Mixing that with hunting pressure, likely the cause of extinction of this thing... We've had a bunch of reported sightings throughout the years between 1936 and 1998, mainly around southern Victoria. Um, but by and large, this thing is, it's dead. It's extinct. It's It's gone. Because that's a major thing is Tasmania was where its home was. And then it was thought to have populated the Australian landmass a little bit when it was brought over. But it's just, this is not... A creature that did well outside of its native habitat
0: yeah so this is really just an example of extinction rather than like it's all it's almost not a cryptid because it did exist well yeah but cryptids can be things that went extinct we I noticed. was gonna
1: say we talked about one earlier
0: yep you're right you're right you're right okay so with that in mind for believability are we doing believability that the Tasmanian devil still exists
1: correct I give it a 1.5.
0: Yeah, I was going to actually man, took it took the words out of my mouth cuz I was I was going to say like it's I guess it's possible it's just unlikely. Cool factor two?
1: Oh, not even a two,
0: 1.73. 1.73. And then spin-off potential one. One. All right. So let me do some quick tallying here, tabulating. I've been uh, adding all of our myths to an Excel spreadsheet while we've been doing this episode, so let me just uh, sort this bad boy.
1: Yeah, but who would win in a fight?
0: Oh shit! You're right. You're right. You're right. We still have to do that. Okay. So, drop bears, panthers, yowies, Tasmanian devils.
1: Tasmanian devils are last.
0: Yeah. Uh. They. Yeah. They. They're gonna die. Oh man! I remember. I remember talking about this one because I think I actually have. So the. The issue with the drop bear, as we said last time, is the drop bear gets one good shot on the yaoi. And if the drop bears are as accurate as we say they are, and it drops on the yaoi's head, I think the yaoi's dead, so the drop bears get my four.
1: Yeah, I I believe I tracked with that, but also, the major thing is the yaoi is not a human. So you're assuming that what the drop bear can do to a human, it can do to a yaoi. Would a Yowie be stunned and then rip the drop bear off his head because his head was not crushed and then destroy him?
0: Actually, that's a good point. So how much bigger is a gorilla head than a human head? Like twice the size?
1: I I don't have that data on hand. I would have to go Google it.
0: Oh man, I I got that data on hand. Hold on. Exceptionally large is what it says. So I'm just going to assume it's significantly bigger. With that in mind, I am actually going to change my reading because I don't think the drop bear is going to be able to get his mouth around uh, the yowie, And and I think it's going to be exceptionally hard for the drop bear to catch a panther too, so I'm actually going to drop it down two.
1: I was thinking the same thing. So I'm going to give it a, I I'm going to give it a yow- two. I think the drop bear's second to last. I think the panther comes, comes in that silver medal spot, and I think the yaoi is number one.
0: I also agree with you on all of those. That changes our scores slightly. I'm going to sort these from smallest to largest, and we will go through really quick. So, with that in mind, from all of our Royales, from lowest rated to highest rated, so, in last place, we have the Ningen with 8 points, followed by the Jackalope with 10, the Tasmanian Devil with 10.73, Pants edging it out by .05 at a 10.78, that is the Fresno Nightcrawler. The Ego Goatman pants. at 11.75. Gurden White, 12.75. Cadborosaurus, 12.9. Drop Bears, 15.05. Kushtaka, 17.25. Mothman, 18.2. Ultimahaha 18.4. Panther, the, the Blue Mountain Panther, 19.24. Hodag, 19.3. Uh, Bandage Man, 20.1. Gumbaroo 20.23. Tessie, twenty point three, the Yowie at twenty two point two five. Night Marcher is edging it out by .2 at twenty two point four five. Kraken at twenty three point seven, and the Megalodon at twenty six point eight. That is a uh, that is it. So the Megalodon is our top, and the Ningen is our bottom. Interesting that both came from that one episode. And both were mine. Yeah, <laughs> you had you had the, the top and bottom cryptids. That's I had a, I had a
1: wide spectrum.
0: Yeah, and you know what? That's that's all we have for today, because we are like at an hour and ten minutes. Yeah, well, now I've got a Cryptid Royale ranking spreadsheet for the next time we do it, and it should be easier. So, thanks for listening. Uh, I don't know when we're going to do season four. It'll happen at some point. i got to do some other things first. Bye All right, that's, that's all we've got for now. I don't know if we have any more um, bonus episodes in the pipe for this season. Probably not. And I honestly can't tell you when we're starting Season 5 because, uh, well, i got to finish running this Kickstarter. And once that's done and I get all that ready for publication, I've also got the third Nick Ventnor novel that is almost through its edit. And uh, that means the next stage is it's going off to my editor who's going to send it back with a bunch of red pen. And then I can cry for about a month as I slowly edit the plot away. But after that, (laughs) rest assured, we will be getting Season 5 out to you. I'm sure it's going to have some wacky shit in it. As usual, we really welcome your suggestions. So please hit us up at cryptidsdecrypted at gmail.com or at castdecrypted on Twitter or at cryptidsdecrypted on Instagram. Go to any of those places. Tell us what the hell we should be talking about. And we, I mean, we usually listen. We take feedback, bad and good. You know, some of it we take personally, but we do take it. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe out there. We'll see you when we see you.